just a few things on, on what she said. The scripture about giving, a good measure, uh, pressed down, shaken together, will run over in your lap. I love that scripture because what that scripture really speaks about is that the things that God gives you gives you reproductive power. It gives you the ability to reproduce and advance his kingdom in the land. And every resource, every tool, every talent that you have, whatever it is, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whether it's cleaning the floors, whether it's cleaning the bathrooms, whatever gifts and talents and resources you have, you use those for the purposes of advancing God's kingdom in this land. And the reason why we want to advance God's kingdom is not to just grow a bigger church. It's not about getting more people in the chairs. It's about reproducing sons and daughters and raising up a family of people that understand their identity and the purposes that God has established all over the earth. So the Bible says that God wants his glory to cover the earth like the waters cover the earth. He wants people to know him and know who they're called to be. Because people are being robbed and living like orphans and they don't have a, a peaceful, joyous, satisfaction life where they're living in the abundance that God has for them. And so what the Lord says is when you take what you've been given, what I've put in your hand, every single person has been given something from God, whether you're an atheist, a Satanist, it doesn't matter who you are. The Bible says that every good gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. What happens is people take the gifts and the talents, they reject God and use them for their own, own selfish purposes. That's what psychics do. That's what soothsayers do. That's what palm readers do. They're fortune tellers. Fortune. Get it? Fortune. Making money with the gift that they have for themselves. But in the kingdom, God raises up prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists that all live their lives prophetically for the purpose of foretelling God's love and purpose and plan for them. There are over 350 specific prophecies about Jesus coming as the Messiah. They would foretell the coming of the promise and the coming of redemption. And that's what we do in every area of our lives. We take what we have and we tell people about the goodness and the greatness and the promises that God has for them. We show them their identity. We show them the love that, that, that God has as a father and what it means to be sons and daughters. And then what it means to take what you've been given, give it back, and then it reproduces, it overflows in your lap and it causes you to give more away and to reproduce in a greater way. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that scripture. Because everything we have has come from him. And I know that because I was a guy that once had nothing. I lived on the streets. I've been in prison. I've been in and out of jail. I was homeless. And then God would change my life, change my mind, completely restore me. And years, years, and years later, 26 years later, I'd have several coffee shops, an awesome on-fire church. We own the shopping center. I have an amazing family, two beautiful kids. And it's not without challenges. It doesn't mean that we don't have trouble and difficulties. But Jesus made it clear to take heart because he overcame the world. In this world, you have trouble, but to take heart because he overcame it. So then you realize greater is he that's in me than anything that comes at me in the world. And I've learned that over time by putting my trust in him and not backing down. Now I want to help you to know that. I'm on a mission. Say on a mission. We're on a mission. And this isn't about getting more money and getting more people in a seat. The fame of Jesus spread just by him doing what he was called to do. He didn't have to have the internet, special flyers, and smartphones. What he had to have was supernatural power and authority that set the captives free. So people would come from all over the land to chase him down. He didn't have to chase down more Instagram followers. Because the presence of God transforms people's lives and people get awakened to their destiny and they experience the greatness of who he is, and then we as a family get to walk that out with them. We're on a mission. And every one of us has a mission. And if you lose sight of the mission, then you'll quit the ministry because the ministry is not the mission. In the ministry is embedded, in the, embedded in the ministry is the mission. But the mission's much bigger than just a worship set. The mission's much bigger than a prayer meeting. The mission's much bigger than an evangelistic outreach. The mission's much bigger than feeding the homeless. And if you don't get a holistic view of the kingdom of God, you'll solely be narrow-minded and focused, and what'll happen is you'll fall into racial segregation. You'll fall into to religious segregation. 
you'll be a religious racist. You'll judge the worship and you'll judge my preaching and you'll judge the atmosphere instead of judging the greatness of who God is and what he's doing in our midst and transformed and changed lives. Drug addicts being set free. People raised in dysfunctional religious homes set free. Guys like me with a terrible checkered past gets redeemed and now I get to bring hope and promise to the generations. You have to have a holistic view about everything that you do. You have to. To understand mission means to understand that we are carrying out an important assignment. There's an assignment that God has given to the global church and that he's given specifically to the local church. There's an assignment. And if you're not actively connected to a local church, you're out of the will of God. Because each of us needs each other. Every joint is connected by what it supplies. We're knit together by what we give each other. We need each other. And the challenge is in, in a Western Americanized culture, in a city with 800 churches in the region, there's so many cities that I go to, you drive by 50 churches to your destination. There's more churches than McDonald's and fast food restaurants. That we live in an overly saturated lackluster, passive, religious system that's not on a mission, that's not producing life and fire and power and joy. And people are apathetic. People are skeptics. The word for skeptic in the Greek is the word scorpion. Skepticism will kill you. And it doesn't mean you don't judge a tree by its fruit. Please judge the fruit. Please Take a good look at the reproduced lives and the sons and daughters getting flamed on and postmodern millennials hungry to be at church and dedicating seasons of their lives to a training program instead of chasing after careers and money. See, 30, see our video of 32 people getting baptized in the ocean last fall and come to our next baptism next month, which is, the, which is on the 19th. You see the, you know a, true, a tree by its fruit. It's not about positions and titles. It's not about doing our church duty on a Sunday morning and appeasing our conscience. Congratulations, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, that's about all we get. Because we come for something so much more and understand that I'm fired up and I'm excited and I'm intentional and I'm intense. I'm not meaning to be mean, but I'm being intense because we live in such a complacent society that has forgotten the mission. We've forgotten the mission that's at hand. And when you forget the mission, you will quit the ministry. The ministry is not the mission. The ministry is the avenue to the mission. We're carrying out assignment. And embedded in the definition of a mission, it means long-term. Not just a short mission, but a mission for a purpose. And ultimately, God's mission would be for eternity. But the mission that we're on is not for a service on a Sunday morning. It's for something that's so much bigger. It's a lifetime. It's a lifestyle. It's a family. It's the kingdom of God advancing all over the world. It's setting the captives free for a purpose. The mission also means a vocation or calling. It's what our aim and ambition and purpose is as a church. And every now and then I, as your pastor, have to come in and remind you, and if you're visiting today or you've only come a few times, I'm so, so glad that you're here. Because what I want you to really understand is why we're doing what we're doing. Because yeah. we're not doing it for a show or a performance or a nice little goosebump feeling service. I want you to get touched. I want you to get filled up. I want you to get healed. I want you to get flamed on today. But I want you to understand that there's so many hurting and broken addicts and People killing themselves, suicides every 20 seconds, abortions, hurting broken people. Many of us in here today have been through that, and we're hurting and broken ourselves, and we've come to this church hoping to find hope. And there is hope. There's hope because of the greatness of who Jesus is. There's hope because he loves you. There's hope because he cares for you. There's hope because you're called to be sons and daughters. There's hope because he'll shift you out of complacency. There's hope because he has a family for you. There's hope because there's a much better and greater way to live than the way so many people are living today. The mission's always embedded in the ministry. I want to set the captives free. 
We want to open blind eyes. We want to see people come out of their hurts and their pains. We want to see people, of course, live productive lives. And we minister to you and we minister to people that walk in this door for that reason. In the midst of our ministry, we have a mission. But the ministry in and of itself is not the mission. You must never lose sight of the mission. There's two types of people in the church. There's vertical and horizontal. Really, God wants us to, have, to be both. Vertical is every single thing is about Jesus. Nothing matters more. So everything's about worship to him. Everything's about prayer to him. Everything's about communing with him. Everything's about intimacy with him. Everything's about his presence. That's all vertical. But in a horizontal mindset, everything's about advancing, building the kingdom, raising up a family, raising up an army of people that will go out and drive back darkness. You have to have both. But most vertical people are extremely revelatory. Prophets, dreamers, visions. Most revelatory people or vertical people see narrow-minded in the kingdom of God that it's only about one narrative. And it's the same in the other way. If you're solely horizontal, then your ministry, your worship, people come in here, they get excited about evangelism, but they don't get excited about worship. Worship's too long. Why are they doing that song? Why is it this? Why is it that? Music's too loud. But as soon as we talk about feeding the poor, as soon as we talk about going to the streets, we get excited. And the thing is that God wants a holistic church. God wants you to be holistic. We don't send people to other church specialists. We fill a church with specialists. Do you understand? You don't have one narrative of a church. You have a church that embraces the fullness of the kingdom of God. And God wants you to be that way. God wants you to learn to live as a utility believer that can move in any position, in any place, at any time, and you may have a specific bent towards evangelism or prophecy or worship or drums or whatever your thing is, but at the end of the day, it's still part of a bigger picture. God wants a holistic church. Some of you are like, huh, what's a holistic church? Holistic churches bring unity within the church and unity in the kingdom of God. Here's the definition of holistic. You can Google it or look it up in your dictionary. It's spelled H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. I'll read it a couple times for you. Holistic means, holistic is characterized by comprehension of the parts of something as intimately interconnected and explicable only by reference to the whole. And some of you are going like, what did he just say? So let me read it to you again. To be holistic is characterized by comprehension, meaning that you understand, that you comprehend what God's saying and doing, that you understand all the moving parts of the kingdom of God as something intimately interconnected. Prayer goes with worship. Evangelism goes with feeding the poor. Discipleship goes with ushering. It's all these moving components. You've got to see a bigger picture that everything must be intimately interconnected. It's not just about a prayer movement, but we need a prayer movement. It's not just about an evangelistic movement, but it's not just about the worship, but we need anointed worship. It's understanding that it's all intimately interconnected for a purpose and explicable. You know what explicable means? It means accounted for and understood only by reference to the whole. You only understand it from a holistic perspective. And Rock City Church has got to step into this holistic understanding or you'll always be looking somewhere else to get something. When God wants to raise us up with a family of prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, it takes five to stay alive. And it's not that I have the one house prophet or the one house teacher or the one house pastor. That's right. But now there's 50 pastors. Yeah. There's 100 pastors. Good. There's 100 evangelists. Yeah. There's 100 apostles. There's 100 teachers. It's cultural understanding of what it means to be holistic and to understand the mission. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to distinguish between mission and ministry. We'll minister to you today. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for the sick. I'll pray for your healing. 
I'll believe for you to get set free. I'll bust up some demons. We'll have some awesome worship. I'll preach the word to you. We'll comfort and console you. But all those are designed for a greater purpose. They're designed to ultimately bring you into understanding the ways of God and living as a fruitful garden all the days of your life and then reproducing what you've been given because that's legacy to the generation. Missions, mission is legacy to the generations. It's my kids. I got a four and five-year-old. Just stick around. If you stick around at this church, you will be a part of helping to raise my kids because my kids are gonna look to you to see what's normal. And most people have no understanding of what normal is. We've been raised in dysfunctional churches. We've been raised in religious systems. We've been seeing all kinds of dysfunctional things on TV. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you were wounded. So many people are a certain religion based on how they were raised, based on tradition. I meet people all the time. They tell me. Met a guy the other day. I'm Mormon. You're Mormon? What does it mean to be Mormon? Well, I'm not really sure, but that's what my parents were. (laughs) That's how I was raised or Catholic, or Baptist, or whatever it is. People cling on to their traditions, but traditions will never cause you to know him and live for him. And Jesus would even say that to the Pharisees. They cared more about their traditions than they did the ways of God. So I want you to learn to be holistic. And I want you to understand that this is a holistic church in everything that we do, in everything that we do. Here's a great scripture on being holistic. Israel had been in captivity and was about to return back to the temple. They were about to return back to the promise from Babylon and Persia. And in Isaiah 61.1, the prophet Isaiah prophesies what Jesus would later point back to. And he says this in verse 1, Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God, now think holistic. This is a chunk of scriptures that are holistic. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... The Lord has anointed me. Now, understand, only priests would be anointed for the work of the ministry. Now, Isaiah the prophet would prophesy Jesus as the great coming high priest, and then Jesus would then designate you as kings and priests. So every one of us have an anointing for a purpose. It doesn't matter who you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. I don't care where, where you're at. God has put an anointing on you. The Bible says the gifts and call of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. So you are anointed. Say, I'm anointed. But the thing is, is you've got to discover what you're anointed for, and you have to understand what it means to be holistic and to be a part of a body. So even though we're called to be holistic, I need people that are specifically flamed on towards prayer, towards worship, towards serving, towards cleaning the toilets. You have all these moving parts that become a holistic body. Do you understand? So God says we are anointed and Jesus would be anointed for several purposes. Say several purposes. So let's walk through them. Number one, to preach good tidings to the poor. Now this isn't just in the natural. Jesus said the poor you will have with you always. The greater ministry was sitting at his feet, washing his feet, worshiping him, following him, being with him, but then there's a result that comes from it. The mission will ultimately always be Jesus and following him and doing what he tells us to do in advancing the kingdom. But he gives us all these ways of doing it. And so he says, to preach good tidings or the gospel or good news to the poor, which means you've got to get the good news for your life. And and the Lord has good news for you. Constantly, every day. He's constantly giving me good news. The world is constantly preaching bad news. I can't handle a whole lot of news much anymore. It's just constantly bad news. And I know it's a reality, but if you dwell on Fox News and CNN, I'm just telling you, I I look at some of them on TV or on my smartphone, but I can only handle so much because it's constant, dysfunctional, fear-based, fear-driven. The world's falling apart and the button's getting pushed tomorrow. It's nuclear war tomorrow if, if you watch the news. But if you listen to the news feed from heaven, which I've said many a times, God constantly has good news for you. And then I'm fired up. And then I raise my kids, not in this dysfunctional, depressed state, but I raise them excited and joyous to live their lives. It's the kingdom of God. And when you're born again, you're not of this world. You're part of the kingdom. That's great news right there. Deliver me, Lord, from the world system. Please, God, deliver me from that world system. 
because it's hurtful. It's dog eat dog. It'll run over you. People only care about themselves. They will eat you up, spit you out, and leave you for dead. It's only about what you can do for them. But in the kingdom, it's not about what you can do for me, but what I can do for you, no matter what your value is whether you're gonna give money today or not, whether you give to the gala or not, whether you come to the, whether you help expand or not, it doesn't matter because ultimately I'm working for the Lord and I love you. I love you regardless of whether, no matter what you do. But I tell you there's a greater reward if you jump in and start doing what you're called to do. Say there's a greater reward. I love rewards. Now I don't live in a reward-based measure-up mentality, but I understand what I do produces a reward. And when I'm faithful with a little, I get a lot. And when God says, here's five talents, which is equal to $6 million in today's society, I double it up. Say, double it up. Double. Just give me $12 million. And it's not about the money. It's understanding the principles of the kingdom is multiplication. Everything's about multiplication. Genesis 1.28, the Garden Commission, we all should know it. Be fruitful and multiplication's the kingdom. But if your focus is on solely about getting more people in the seed or your ministry, you'll miss the mission. The mission's not about seats and ministry. The mission's about family, sons and daughters, and the glory of the Lord all over the world, and it takes a holistic church to do it. Come on, that is awesome. That is awesome. That should set you free this morning. So we bring good news to the poor. He sent me, everybody say, he sent me. The word sent, everywhere, every time you see the word sent, anywhere, anytime in the New Testament, it's, for, it's the word apostolic. That's why God's raising up an apostolic church. Not people that will just sit in a chair, come Sunday in and Sunday out and do nothing with what they've been given. That's like the guy that took the talent and buried it in the ground of their heart and saw God as an angry God and didn't fear him for who he really was, but saw him as a terrorist. God's not a terrorist. He is to those that don't know him and do live wickedly, but to sons and daughters. See, the servant was still a servant that got the talent, and he took the one talent and he buried it, and what, was, what he had was taken from him. This is all Matthew 25. And so God handed out, hands out talents according to your ability, and we don't compare. I may be in five, she may be in two, you may be in one. So what? The good news is you've all been given a talent. A talent is a weight of measurement of value, which was equal to one denarii, which was equal to uh, 6,000, it was, I'm sorry, one talent was equal to 6,000 denarii, and one denarius is equal to one day's wage. So if you make 100 bucks a day, 100, take 100 times 6,000, and there you have one talent. $600,000 is one talent in today's society. Now, the talents are much more than money. The talents are your ability to affect change, your ability to take what God's given you. I don't care who you are, underweight, overweight, black, white, poor, rich. God is no distinguisher of people. You all have a purpose and a call from God, and we're on a mission much bigger than just a nice, comfy Sunday morning church. This is an apostolic church out to transform the kingdom of God and drive back prostitution. Just go walk down Leopard tonight at 11 o'clock. Well, maybe don't do that. <laughs> Just go for a little stroll behind Memorial Hospital for a few blocks, any night of the week. This isn't play church. I'm not in this for fun, even though it's fun. I'm having, a, I'm having an awesome time, man. I'm having an awesome time. Can I tell you a couple quick stories? I mean, I'm not even going to finish the message. It doesn't even matter. This is the message. I am the message. Just enjoy it this morning. So we go to West Virginia. I take Anthony and Mark Marquez. So we go, we go check through TSA. And I heard the Lord say, when I walked through the scanner, things don't go wrong. They start wrong. What do you want this trip to be? I said, I want it to be supernatural. He said, okay. So I sit down while the guys come through, and there's the head TSA agent. And the Lord shows me a word. The TSA agent starts talking to me about something not even really important. And I'm not even listening really to him. But I, because I'm listening to what the Lord wants to say about him. I'm having a moment in the minute we start the trip. He does this thing where he looks up to heaven, 
and I heard the Lord say, my eye is on the sparrow. And I thought, the guy's busy, people are coming through. I mean, you know, he's focused on if somebody's coming through with a bomb or something. And last, you know, I'm about gonna prophesy over this guy and he's got other things. And I have this little interaction moment with the Lord, but I've had so many of those in my lifetime that I just surrendered and I said, listen, I need to tell you something. When I saw you look up, I heard the Lord say, his eyes on the sparrow, and that used to be one of your favorite songs, but you've walked away in your trust from God in your heart. <laughs> the guy was like, it was like a wrecking ball swung through the TSA gate. And the guy was just so caught off guard and just so, so touched in the moment. And then I continued to give him the word, and I, you know, I obviously I couldn't lay hands on the guy. I mean, that would have really been bad. If I'm laying hands on the TSA agent, we have a revival going on at the airport. I'm just telling you right now. So we get on, or your pastor's in jail. It's one of the two things, right? Revival or jail? That's going to be, you'll be bailing me out. What the pastor, he laid hands on the TSA. Okay, anyway. We get on the plane. And it's actually the second leg of the plane. You, some of you may remember my story about what God has always taught me about keeping my seat on the airline, on the planes. The Lord's always taught me, keep your seat. Pick your seat in advance if you can and keep it. And always trust when you fly that God put you right in the right seat. I've flown so much. I've learned to just keep my seat. And the bigger understanding of keeping your seat is keeping your seat spiritually. Because he has seated you, Ephesians 2, at the right hand of God in heavenly places and given you all riches in heavenly places so that you can bring it down to earth. It's positional authority. It's not, some people are gonna see you as arrogant and cocky and haughty and man, what's the look at that? He thinks he's all this great stuff. Listen, the more that I know, the more I realize I don't know. I'm nothing without him. I'm not cool. I'm not anything. I'm not anything without Jesus. But with him, I'm everything. With him, you're everything. Do you understand that? Your value's not based on what you have and don't have. Your value's not based on what you can do and what you can't do. Your value's based on who you are. Your value's based on who you are. The challenge is most people don't really know who they are. That's why James said, anybody that hears the word and doesn't do it, it's like to a man that looks in a mirror and when he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. How many of you could give an accurate sketch of yourself if you had to? Say, here's what I look like, draw me. But the bigger thing's not so much how your hair looks or your beard or what clothes you're wearing. What Jesus was really trying to say is to understand your identity that when you look into the word and you hear it, you become it and now you have an accurate understanding of who you are and what you look like. See, because what you look like to me and what you look like to yourself can be two different things. What you look like to me is sons and daughters and beautiful creations of God. And I'm not looking at what you often look at external appearances because the bible says man looks at the outside but god looks at the heart and if i have a full-grown jesus inside of me what am i looking at that's so contrary to society's standards today but it's what sets people free because it's good news that god loves you right in the midst of whatever it is you're going through and facing Whatever you look like, whatever you have or don't have in the midst of it jesus cares so much about you his eye is on the sparrow and if a, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing, and there's billions and billions and billions of sparrow, seemingly the least significant bird, if not one falls to the ground, how much more does he care about you? That's awesome news. That is such good news. Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one little lily. Grab a flower. Go get a hibiscus. Pick a flower in your yard. Go to a garden and look at it closely and realize that God cares more about you than that flower and look how intricately beautiful that flower is. That's the stuff that I live, man, I ate up with stuff like that because it fuels my fire and it should fuel yours. You know what'll kill your fire? All worry about your money, your jobs, what's happening in the White House, President Trump, North Korea, all the political stuff. You wanna quench your fire, live in that world. <laughs> That's all, yes. We get to be champions for the truth. Right? So we get on the second plane, and 
there's a girl sitting between Mark and I. And of course, I know it's going to be a setup. So I ask her if she's going home, what she's doing. She was on a church conference. She's from Ohio, goes to Rod Parsley's church in Columbus, is on a conference, was on a conference, headed back home. And Mark's kind of listening. And I said, well, what do you do? She says, well, I do social media and marketing and photography. <laughs> and Mark Marquez, is, who, who does that here, by the way, for those of you that don't know, is sitting right next to her. I'm just like, oh, really? Well, that's what he does. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm a pastor. That's what he does at our church. And I said, this is a setup from God. What can I do for you? God put a pastor right next to you. She goes, oh my gosh, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> That's how that whole trip started. So I kind of lobbed the ball up for Mark Marquez. And then I said, now he's going to tell you his testimony. And the whole time, Mark just, they talked about all kinds of stuff. Video, social media, excellence, but more than anything, Mark Marquez who has an incredible story of total redemption, who failed miserably and God redeemed his whole life and now has raised him up when he was in the muck and the mud and the mire, raised him up and set him on, the, on a rock and now he gets to use his story of being set free from institutionalized systems and himself and now he's preaching the whole time to this girl. So he's preaching the whole time. I look over, Anthony is talking to somebody about Jesus. It's like the whole trip. These guys are preaching everywhere we go, right? So we get to West Virginia, and our bags don't make it. And we're two hours from the Columbus airport. We're in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and our bags don't make it. So it was pretty brutal because our bags didn't come for, till late the next night. And it was really brutal for me because it forced me to go to the mall and go shopping. <laughs> come on, guys. You, I'm trying to get you to laugh a little bit this morning. So we go to the mall. And I'm telling you, everywhere we go, Anthony is, every store, Anthony's just talking to him about Jesus, like little prophet guy. He's just so flamed on, okay? And so we go to uh, Champ Sports, and we walk in, and there's two girls, Mark and I. Anthony's off, still prophesying over somebody at the other store. So we go into Champ Sports, and there's a girl there, and she's got a tattoo sleeve on her arm. Tony, you're going to like this got a tattooed sleeve of flowers on her arm. So I pick out some new kicks, which I'm wearing today. They're really awesome and so comfortable. Pick out some new shoes. And I'm asking the Lord about this girl. And I'm not really getting much of anything. And, you know, I don't, I don't prophesy to everyone I come in contact with, for goodness sakes. I do whatever Jesus tells me to do. And it's not everyone all the time. So we go to check out. And I tell her that our bags didn't make it. And we're in from out of town. She goes, oh, really? Where are you from? I said, Corpus Christi, Texas. She says, oh, my gosh. She goes, my dad was born there. I said, oh, really? I said, that's so cool. She goes, yeah, he was in the military way back in the day. I was, and uh, he was born there. I said, was that where you were born? And she says, she goes, no, I was actually born in Miami, Florida, and went right through the eye of Hurricane Andrew in Cutler Ridge, which is one mile from where I went through the eye of Hurricane Andrew. And I went, I just looked up to the Lord and smiled. I said, you were in Cutler Ridge during Hurricane Andrew? She goes, yeah. I said, that's where my apartment was. She goes, we were buried alive in the house. I said, I was buried alive in the house. <laughs> now, do you think God has a good sense of humor? See, the thing, the lesson for you is to always be listening and to understand your men and women on a mission. And the mission is not just for me to touch you on the beach or to pull you out of a ditch. The mission is for me to cause you to come into your identity of who you are as sons and daughters and to come into a family and to discover what normal looks like. Because most people were raised in abnormal dysfunctional homes. Not all, but most. And almost everyone I run into that's hooked in drugs and alcohol and abuse and broken lives and broken relationships have come from a home just like that. Almost, not all, but almost. So God would raise up something better and God would raise up people to go get them and bring them into the mission. He would use ministry to do it and he would do things like this. He would 
preach good news to the poor. He would heal the brokenhearted. He would proclaim freedom to the captives. But you've got to know what and how to get them free. You've got to know the right message at the right time and be strategic, which is why you need to know doctrine, which is why you have to read your Bible. I love you, but here I go again. I'm telling you, I'm, not, I'm going to be a broken record every single week. Because reading your Bible gives you an understanding of doctrine and what to say and how to say it and the way God feels and you use the word now as a sword because in Ephesians 6, it says that the word of God is the sword of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got no word, then you don't give the Holy Spirit access to the sword inside your heart. Then you don't know what to say. Now you all can have a testimony, but something's powerful when you actually preach the word of God in power and authority into somebody's life. But more than that, I don't even always have to quote scripture because I know it and you become the word of God and now everything you say lines up with God's word and just get around me and I'll just open up my heart and it'll be like an open Bible. That's what you are to become. Give yourself to it. So many of you are experts in your trade and in your career. Expert in finance, expert in refinery work, expert in oil and natural gas, whatever you do, expert in education, expert in you name it, fill in the blank of what you do. And we give more heed and more attention and more time to becoming experts in our career to make money than we do for the king to advance what God has. And everything we have comes from him anyway. So why wouldn't we seek first, Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God? Everybody say, seek first. first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. So I'm paying and the girl looks at me. I said, that was so crazy that we have those things. And she's like, I'm totally freaking out. And the other girl that's standing there looks at her and says, how come every time somebody comes in, you have this connection with them? And then I look back and Mark starts talking to her and it turns out this girl's a photographer. This is like, we ran into six, everywhere we went, it's like God was bringing all the photographers for Mark. I'm not kidding. On the flight home, Anthony and I strike up a big conversation about the kingdom Another girl overhears, interjects, wants to know what we're talking about. Uh, Anthony starts prophesying over her. We get off the plane. She's got pain in her back. We lay hands on her right at the terminal at the baggage claim. And then I say to her, what do you do? She says, I'm a photographer. <laughs> so the girl at the, count- at the checkout counter, we're checking out. And I'm like, okay, I got one word. I- all I heard from the Lord is I'm going to shift her. And so I said, listen, I feel like the Lord, I want you to know that the Lord said he's about to shift your life and take you out of the loneliness and isolation and pain that you're currently in. And she goes, oh my God. And she just starts melting down, weeping, crying right there at the counter. She goes, I can't believe this is happening. I said, the Lord loves you and he cares for you and he wants to shift you into the promises, but you've made poor choices. But God says, I'm gonna use those to propel you into my destiny. I start prophesying and she starts crying and I look over and Mark's laying hands on the photographer girl prophesying over her in the shoe store. This is kingdom. We're on a mission. Everybody say, I'm on a mission. And the ministry is designed to get you to the mission. So today, I'm sitting in my truck under the bridge, and I'm writing my message for this morning. Now, I've sat under this bridge for many, many, many years. I've written all my messages sitting under the bridges by the water right here in Corpus Christi. You know why? Because I don't have an office. Because I don't like to be cooped up. I like to be out in God's creation. I like to take what I experience in God's creation and bring it in here for you. You need both. Don't give me this, my church is the beach thing. Some of you know who I'm talking about, but I won't look at you, okay? How's that? My church is on my boat. No, not really. You can experience God on your boat, but the church is is God's people being knit and networked together as a family. And so I'm just typing away, listening to some Jason Upton, just having this awesome time with the Lord. I'm man, I'm having an encounter with God thinking about you, thinking about this morning. And I look up and I see a guy stuck in the water in front of me. Now, you know how many times I have either had to rescue people or not rescued people sitting under that bridge in five years? There's times the Lord's like, nope, it's a distraction. I've had many people living under those bridges that come up, ask me for help. And the Lord's like, don't, 
Don't get off point in what you're doing. Because what you have to do is be spirit-filled, and you have to be instant in season and out, and you have to understand at all times, I do what Jesus tells me to do. And that, if I spent time helping every homeless person, I'd be in the streets all the time. My fam- I'd neglect my family. So, this time, though, I see a guy stuck, and he gets out, and he's looking for some stuff to put under his tire. And it happened really fast. And I looked closely to make sure that I was seeing right because he got a little off the road and kind of got into the bay with his tire. And I thought to myself, oh, man, I'm working on this message. And I, and I said to myself, this is not an opportunistic time. This isn't the best time for me. And the Lord reminded me, no matter if it's opportunistic or not, you do what you're supposed to do and get out and help that guy. So he looked at me, I looked at him, he waved at me, I fired up my truck, and I rolled right over. And I realized he was stuck, and I told him I'd turn around, get out my strap, and I helped pull him out. And uh, when I pulled my truck the right direction, I just said, Jesus, get him, Lord. I know this is a setup by you. I knew it was. It was so obvious for me. So I got out of the car, we hooked up the strap. I introduced myself to this wonderful man. His name's Tony. He's a great, great man, full of hope and promise in life. And something came up about, I don't know, where we're from or something like that. And I said I was from Miami. And he says, I'm from Miami. <laughs> and I went, oh, God. I said, Lord, what in the world is happening? <clears throat> and so... We strike up a conversation, and I start telling him some of my story, and I ask him where he's at spiritually, and he's very transparent and very honest of the struggles in his life, and I say, let me tell you a little bit about my story, and as I'm telling him the story, he's like, man, my story's almost the same, and we start connecting the dots, and probably had been at many of the exact, he's only a couple years older than me, started connecting the dots of being in the exact same places in Miami same elementary schools, Pinecrest, eating at the same restaurants, our favorite places that we love to go. We're laughing, we're giggling, we're having this encounter on the beach. And then I just began to speak into his life and we began to invite Jesus. And he asked me this awesome question. He said, you know, with all the drugs that you did and that we've done, all the LSD and mushrooms, which God fully restored my mind, by the way, so I don't have any problem telling you about that. I still graduated ORU with honors. Imagine that, it's a miracle. And so he says, who is God? (laughs) You guys, you better be ready to answer these questions when you get asked that in the street. Who who is God? And I was like, oh man, that is a loaded question. And I've got about 500 scriptures and 600 messages and I don't have time for a big theological discussion. I said, I don't have time for a big theological discussion. And I heard the Lord say, tell him that I'm a father. And I told him, I said, he's a father. And that's what I needed the most. And he's like, that's what I need the most. And I said, lift your hands and pray. And we prayed. And we walked through the Lord's Prayer together. And it was such an encounter. He's like, and I told him my story. And he said, I just can't believe this. He goes, look at this as we're pulling away. He goes, I just got a Grateful Dead shirt. This is so weird. He's got goosebumps everywhere. Is this the right story? Tony, stand up. Everybody give Tony a hand clap. Stand up. Turn around. Show everybody your Grateful Dead shirt. Yeah. Now, the thing with Tony is, is Tony and I are so much alike, we have same, very similar stories. So God knew that Tony needed me in his life. And I'm proud of you, Tony. I'm very proud of you, bro, for coming here today. I'm very proud of you, man. I'm very proud of you. And don't be anxious, bro. This is family. We love really well. We love really well. And Tony and I had a powerful discussion. We prayed. I helped him to understand what it means to be spiritual. And then I said, there's no strings attached. I don't care if you come or don't come. And he came. And Tony, I'm really, really glad that you're here. And I want to encourage you guys to love him really, really well. And welcome him into a family because that's what he needs more than anything. 
And I love, he's, he was open and transparent. He's been alone, been isolated, battling addictions from his past, just like so many of you have or maybe are today. Yep. And what you need to understand is we're on a mission and the mission is what Jesus' mission was. Say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And God has given us an incredible mission and it's a mission of rescuing lives and bring them into a family because the Lord is raising up sons and daughters and family all over the world. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. And some of you this morning may be brokenhearted. Mom, dad left you or hurt you or abused you or left you alone. You had to fight for your own when you were 16 years old. Some of you maybe were raised in ultra-religious homes that forced religion down your throat and it wasn't life and it wasn't power and it was, it was controlling and manipulative and it pushed you away from God. I know too many people raised in church homes that walked away when they were teenagers or went to college. But we get to change that. We get to change that. And what happens is, is you first get the good news when you were spiritually bankrupt. What happens is, is you are the one that gets healing when you were brokenhearted. You are the one that gets liberty when you were in prison. And then God comes and uses you to now give it to somebody else. And not any one of us are different. It doesn't matter what your story is. I don't care if you were raised in a full-time Methodist or Presbyterian home and never went sideways in drugs and alcohol or jail. I don't care what your story is. I mean, I care, but the point I'm trying to make is all of us have the same need for the same Savior that has the same message, but how you bring the mission is unique to you. But it has to be holistic. And it's gotta be in the context of a holistic church. This church is five years old. Five years old. Five. Five. And we're about to raise a million dollars and expand this sanctuary and expand the children's ministry because a harvest is coming and people need to come into a family and hear the gospel and be set free. That's the mission. The sound system is just part of the ministry. The drums, the worship, all of it plays a part in a holistic model. So when guys like Tony come in, he can step into a family because he recognized God met him face to face today and he said, I need a guy like you. And only God knew of all the pastors and all the ministers and all the Christians in this whole city, I was the guy. So he veers off the road right in front of me while I'm writing my message and God says, divine appointment. Here it comes. And now he smiles and he's full of joy and full of life. And it's not a religious thing. I was talking with Travis before service. Travis says, I realize that my, my disease is my behavior. Because he's, not, let's give Travis a hand clap. He's going on 90 days being clean and sober. Come on. So proud of you, bro. Come on, stand up. So proud of you. Stretch your hands toward Travis. Lord, I just bless Travis, God, with supernatural life and power and healing and strength. And I recognize you as a son. And you don't have to hide anymore, white knuckle your way through anything. You have a call from God and you always have. And now with help and friends and brothers and sisters and a family and a tribe and an army, you get to step into the more God has for you because you are loved and accepted as his beloved. Your behavior has been your disease, but now you'll be spiritual. Now you'll eat from the tree of life. No more behavior modification. Love you, man. So proud of you. Let's all stand. Let me tell you my greatest reward. My greatest reward is not that Tony came today or got touched on the beach. My greatest reward is not that the girl was crying at the Champ shoe store counter. That's not my greatest reward. My greatest reward is not how many people got saved today. 
My greatest reward's not how anointed I am. My greatest reward's not how great the worship was. My greatest reward's not even how much if you like me or not or you like the message. My greatest reward is seeing people flamed onto their identity and destiny and living out what they have committed to, becoming soils that produce gardens inside of their life that then step into producing fruit for the nations. That's my greatest reward. And when I look around and I see hundreds of thousands, soon to be thousands of people flamed on long time for eternity, walking confidently in identity and the joy of the Lord. Everybody say the joy of the Lord. If you don't have the joy of the Lord, it is way better than a shot of tequila. It's way better than a doobie. And it's way better than a one night stand. I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord produces supernatural strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah! Woo! I'm telling you guys, this is the kingdom life. It's your time to shine. Say, it's my time to shine. Now, don't bow up on me. I had to, Tony and I had to work through him bowing up a little bit. Seeing a lot of religious dysfunction. But this is your time to shine. I want to ask you guys to please, please consider partnering with us for a long, long, long time. Because this is special. This church is special. The people here are special. We're a unique, I'm not even, every, I believe that other people in other churches are special, but you know what? You're my family. Yeah. I'm not comparing my kids to somebody else's kids. You're my family. You're the family that I never had because I was raised an orphan. And now we get to do this together as one. This expansion is for a purpose. It's for a mission. We don't just need a million dollars for a million dollars. It's not about bigger, better sound systems or bigger, better sanctuaries. It's about preparing a place for the harvest, the sons and daughters, the children, and the people that need to hear these messages and need to know the gospel. I believe 80% of this world has not accurately heard the gospel. I believe they've heard a watered-down, half-hearted, lukewarm, no-power version of the gospel, but not the real gospel. And people are going to come. They're going to come from all over the world. Rock City Church is going to be a sign and wonder to the nations. So we're preparing a place just as the Lord went to prepare a place for us. We're preparing a place now for them. So please, buy tickets to the gala. Let's sell this thing out. Bring your friends. And let's do this so that we can get more Tonys, more Travises, more of your family, more of your moms and dads that have never truly and accurately heard what the kingdom is in here and experienced normal, what real family should look like. And I need you to do it. You, you are the legacy. When this church doubles and triples, you'll be the pioneers.